0: How are you guys doing today? Good. Amen. That's what I want to hear. Awesome. That's right. We serve a God that who goodness and mercy follows all the days, not some of the days. He said all the days of our life. Amen. Amen. And I I pray that God will open our spiritual eyes to see that his goodness and mercy definitely follows all the days of our life. Amen. Again, my name is Jerry Roberts. It's a blessing to be here. I love coming to Impact Church. I love the atmosphere, the praise, the worship. Every time we come, my wife can tell you, we tear up. I, I just, the presence of God is just so strongly here, and I, and I thank you so much for the encouragement and the invite. Your pastor is compassionate about you guys knowing the Word of God. He, he loves that you guys get, get, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to be looking at the Word of God. So I just want to prepare you for something. Now, I, I love God's Word, okay? God's Word changed my life. Can't nobody cannot tell me that the God of the Bible is not real, okay? And that the God of the Bible does not deliver, does not heal. The God of the Bible is alive today, amen? Are you looking at somebody who used to couldn't tell cocaine? No. Who couldn't tell methamphetamines? No. Cigarettes, alcohol? No. But when I met Jesus, Now, now cocaine, cigarettes, and alcohol, that don't have the final say. Jesus has the final say, so you can't tell me that the God of these red letters here are not real. And that's why I'm so passionate about him, because he delivered me. He set me free. I'm a living testimony of what God can do. Amen. Don't tell me you can't stop smoking cigarettes. Don't tell me you can't stop dipping. Don't tell me you can't get hatred and anger out your heart. You're looking at a living testimony of it. Don't tell me you can't put that meth pipe down and stop putting that needle in your... You can't tell me that because of the God of the Bible that I serve, that I come to know, set me free. And I have a desire and passion that he do the same thing to you. Why? Because Romans 2.11 says he's no respecter person. Amen? So, when, I may, sometimes you may see some scriptures on the board. Sometimes you may not because I, I, I believe in letting the Holy Spirit lead, okay? Romans, I mean, John 14.26 says he teaches us all things and brings all things to our remembrance. So, if the Holy Spirit brings a word to my remembrance, I'm going to share it in the name of Jesus, whether it's on the board or not. Amen? I mean, so we're just going to let the living God do His thing I mean, and speak to us today. So if you have your Bible with you, let's go ahead and let's get into God's Word. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, reading verses 21 through 35, looking at the red letters, the teachings of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 18. Verses 21 through 35, amen? Let us begin. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say up to you, up to seven. He said, I do not say to you up to seven times. In other words, Jesus was saying, I didn't say that but up to 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children all that he had. Men, you see how you mishandle your finances? It does not just affect you, but your wife and children also. We'll get to that. And that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servants fell down at his feet and begged him saying, Have patience with me. I will pay you all. And he would not. But went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what, he, what had been done, they were very grieved. And came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you, and his master was angry and delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also would do to you if each of you from his heart, not his lips, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I'm gonna be talking to you from the topic of the subject of a forgiving heart a forgiving heart let us pray great god and king thank you for your word lord thank you so much for your goodness your mercy thank you for fighting our battles for us in the name of jesus lord you are jehovah nisha the god that is our battle jehovah Jireh, the god that provides thank you for being a god of peace and a god of love thank you for sending your son jesus thank you jesus thank you for sending the holy spirit our comfort and our teacher thank you for being with us here today there are Difficult times we face in this earth, Lord, but it's no stranger to you. For you told us that we will face tribulations and we can overcome them because you did. But help us fight them to have our affection set on the things above and not the things of this earth. And as we fight in heaven, read your word, Holy Spirit, lighten the eyes of our understanding. Show us what our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard. Speak to our heart. Open up our eyes. Touch any area in our life where we need to repent. Change the way we think. Help us, Father, in heaven, no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Lord, and it starts today. I thank you for what you have done. Thank you for your word, Lord. Make my tongue the pen of a ready writer and feed the church you have purchased with your blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A forgiving heart. And and, and this is is very important because when he said this forgiving heart, God wants us to know that, hey, listen, I'm not looking at your lips. I'm not looking at your, your church attendance. I, I'm not looking, I'm not looking, you know what I mean, at your time. He said, I'm looking at your heart. We learned that, 1 Samuel 16 and 7. You remember when David was brought before uh, the, the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 16 7, he told him, that, hey, God, don't look on the outward appearances man sees, for God looks at the heart. The heart is something that the living God looks at. It's very important to him. Why? You remember the book of Proverbs 4.23? It tells us to guard our heart with all diligence, for out of it proceeds the issues of life. Whatever's in your heart is going to be manifested and seen in your life. People say all the time, oh man, only God knows my heart, man. You don't know me, God knows my heart. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Because Luke 6.45 says that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. He said that an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speak. See, I can tell what's in your heart simply by how you live in your life. I can tell what's in your heart simply by what's coming out of your mouth. This is why God sends his spirit, he says, into our heart. Romans 5 and 5 says the love of God is shared abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. He wants his love, he wants his compassion, joy in your heart. Why? So it can be seen in your life. So he, the heart means a lot to God. Matter of fact, 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, it says that the eyes of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart... Is loyal to him. Wow. You mean, Lord, You mean, if I get my heart right, you mean you're going to show yourself strong on my behalf? I don't know about you, but I love when God shows himself strong on my behalf. When he fight my battles for me, his goodness and mercy follow me, and my cup running over, and some favor surrounding me is like with a shield. I love seeing God's hand on my life. And if I got to deal with this old heart in order for it to happen, then, Lord, let it be done. So Jesus, he began, he's teaching us here, about this heart, what a forgiving heart looks like. Again, not forgiving lips. And my prayer is that today, that after today, that there will be peace, that we will seek peace with whoever we have, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment in our heart towards. Whoever you are holding a grudge towards, mom, dad, sister, brother, uncle, aunt, nephew, niece, whatever, coworker, that after today you will seek peace. That, that maybe you, that, that sibling you're angry at, that co-worker who backstabbed you, that child who lied, or, or, or that spouse who was not honest. You may have came to church today and, you, and you're sitting together, but you ain't really together. There's some anger, there's some bitterness, there's some resentment between you two because something that was said right before when you got in the parking lot. Or, or, or when you got up this morning. And God wants reconciliation, he wants joy. He do not want that to be a fake smile, but a smile that is real. Real and contagious, one that also penetrates the lives of those who are in darkness as His glory shines through us. See, when our Lord Jesus Christ walked this earth, earth, He often taught using parables and analogies. I love that He would use like agriculture. He would use a relationship like we see here between a king and and, and his servant. He would use things like trees. He would use animals. You know, He would use the soil, and He would use those things to help us and help those that He taught during that time understand. God's viewpoint on things, and that is something we got to get back to, God's viewpoint on things, not what social media, not the culture, not the news, not the politics, not what they view, not people's opinion. Romans 12 6 said, be not wise in your own opinion, not how your mama, granddaddy, great-granddaddy understood, no, but what did God say? Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 7 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not into your own understanding. In all, not some, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So we got to get back to God's viewpoint on things. God's viewpoint on genders. God's viewpoint on what the word says. On how God views things, not what the world, how the world view things. We're told to be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind in Jesus Christ. He was teaching us God's viewpoint on a forgiving heart, and today he's still doing it in the person of the Holy Spirit, teaching us as he's going to teach us God's view on a forgiving heart. In our text today, we have old Peter. You know Peter. Peter's quick. He was like quick from the lips. Peter, you know what I mean? He came to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times. In other words, Jesus said, listen, I did not say that. Don't be adding on to what things that I said. See, sometimes we like to add on to, you know, God's word. We like to add on to stuff that makes us feel comfortable. We like to add on with our traditions. We like to add on with our opinions. We like to add on with how we feel so that we can be in our, so we can be in our comfort zone. And so and sometimes we add on just so it can sound religious. We want to add on. And, God, and I love Jesus. He said from the beginning, wait a minute, I, I, I didn't say that. You know how we like to add stuff on? But God's saying, listen, I don't want you to add on. I want you to hear exactly what I have to say about it. Don't add your opinion. Don't add your understanding. Don't add tradition. Don't add religion. Just listen to what I have to say about it. Now, forgiveness wasn't a strange topic to Peter. Jesus had already taught them about forgiveness when you read the book of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21. You remember when they taught them how to pray about the Father's prayer, right? And in Matthew 6 and 21, you know, and we pray this ourselves. It says this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or, you know, some say forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We pray that and not really even understanding what we're praying. Just because it it may sound good. You're asking God to forgive you for the hurt you caused him just as you're forgiving the people who hurt you. You're asking God to treat you the way that you treat people who hurt you. you know that one that lied to you? That one that betrayed you? That one that backstabbed you? That that, that one that neglected you, you? You're asking God, Lord, treat me the way I treat that person. Treat me the way that I treat the person who is offending me. You know, that, that, that may be why your boss is so negative to you at work. Because, see, you being treated how you treat the person who hurt you. You treat them negative. You treat them disrespectful. So you wonder why disrespect now is coming to you. You're only getting what you prayed for. You ask God to treat you, treat me the way that I'm treating the one who hurt me. So many pray this prayer and not truly understand what they are praying. See, Peter, he was accustomed to this old Jewish practice of parting someone three times of a sin or an offense or a hurt. You know, he, you know Amos chapter 2 and verse 6, and Job 33 and verse 29, you know I me, mean, teach mean, talk, talks about this certain Jewish practice. But see, God don't want us to get caught up following practices. He don't want us to follow traditions, and he don't want us to follow religions. He want us to follow him. He had to address the Pharisees about this in the book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 3. And he told them, he said, for your, trans- your traditions are transgressing the commandments of God. See, a lot of us like to hold on to traditions, what mama taught, granddaddy taught, great-granny taught, and what they taught and passed down traditions. And those traditions have me walking outside of the counsel, the knowledge, and the will of God. And Jesus don't want us to get caught up on practicing a religion and traditions or feelings or emotions. No, he want us to learn what he has to say and what God's viewpoint is about it. Remember in the book of Mark, chapter 9 and verse 7, on the mountain of transfiguration? Whenever you had uh, Moses appear and Elijah, he appeared. And, And Moses represented the law and Elijah represented the prophets. But out of the cloud spoke the voice of the living God. He said, this is my son. Hear him. He so said, if you hear him, he said, you don't have to worry about following a bunch of laws and, and things that probably said. just listen to what he has to say. And this is what God is telling us to do today. Hear him. Hear what the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ have to say, because that's my viewpoint on a forgiving heart. Because you can say all day long, I, I, I forgive him. I, I just don't want to have nothing to do with him. <laughs> you didn't really forgive. That, that's your opinion on forgiving. That's your understanding on a forgiving heart, but that's not God's viewpoint on a forgiving heart. And we're going to look at God's viewpoint on a forgiving heart. That way that you can lose that old cliche or that little word of, I forgive him, I just don't want nothing to do with him. Or, or, you know, this one thing that is said, you know, like, if you, you hurt me once, shame on you. But hurt me twice, shame on me. You ever heard that? And then after that, you're through with him. You cut him off for good. That person can come back the third or fourth time, uh-uh, it's been once or twice. See, we, we, we hold on to things that are passed down to us, our people's opinion instead of God's viewpoint on a matter. He doesn't want us to get fixed on a specific number is what Jesus was telling Peter. I don't want you uh, uh, fixed on a specific number or a checklist or a scorecard of how many offenses somebody has been doing and how many they have committed because love keeps no records of wrong. You can't walk in love like I command you in Ephesians 5 and 2 if you're still keeping a checklist of the wrongs of somebody else. Every time you get into it with your spouse, you remember when, and you always, you, wait, Wait, love keeps no records of wrong. Every time you go around, that family member hurts you, you remember, and I remember when, you, well, wait a minute, love keeps no records of wrong. And if you're really walking in the love of God, then you're not going to keep records of wrong according to God's viewpoint. So that's what we're going to be looking at, God's viewpoint of what a forgiving heart looks like. Now, the characters in this parable, you have the king, okay? We're going to go through this. Now, the king, he represented God the Father. You also have this servant, this servant who had a debt that he could not pay. That servant represents you and I. And then there was an offender, the one that owed the servant money. That represents somebody who hurts or offends you and I. Let's see how this person was treated and see if we can find ourselves doing the very same thing that this servant did. In verse 25, it reads, here in verse 25, it said, But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children, that all that he had and that payment be made. Now, again, I said this earlier, that, you know, whenever husbands that you are, as the leader of your home, as you are this leader, the head of your home, and if you are not handling finances and making godly decisions, it does not only affect you. It also affects the ones that God has placed under your authority. It affects your wife and children. Why? Because see that son and that daughter eyes is looking at daddy. And Proverbs 17 and six says the glory of a father are their children. And what I don't want, I don't want my child to take out in the world a life that is not been taught in my house because the life in my house should be taught the word of God the ways of God on how to handle a matter. TikTok, TikTok face FaceChat, all that already is teaching our children all kind of stuff. And and our children have so many different influences on this earth. So I want to make sure that the number one influence in their life who is daddy is planting the seed of the living God in their life. The ways that God view things, that's what I want. I don't want the culture to conform my child's view. I want to make sure that daddy who knows God's word, and this wife that God has given me to sanctify with the washing of the water by the word, how can a husband sanctify his wife with the washing of the water by the word if he don't know the word? How is it? You're supposed to love her the way Christ loved the church according to Ephesians 5.25. Christ gave God's word. He lived out God's word, and you can't live out God's word if you don't know God's word. You can't share God's word if you don't know God's word. So, men, when you make decisions in your home to watch television instead of reading your Bible and doing Bible study, to go enjoy your hobbies, drinking and smoking, instead of spending time teaching your child and raising them up with the wisdom and mind of the Lord, that's affecting your child and your family and your home also. Just like this man. He was not responsible for what was given into his hands, and God has placed his word into our hands, and we need to be responsible with it. But this servant, he had a debt that he could not pay. Now, you know, some theologians, some scholars say that this debt that he couldn't pay, it was several millions, right? Several millions of dollars, but the person that he's upset about, his debt is only compared to $10 in today's time. Several million, $10. Let's see how he acted, right? So this man, he had a debt that he could not pay. Just like you and I, we had a sin debt that we could not pay. If you and I could pay or had to pay for our sin debt, we would not be here today. This church would be empty. Pool pits would be empty. Everywhere, school board, it would be completely empty if we had to pay for our debt. There was a debt that we could not pay. So you know what happened? Well, we read in Romans 1, 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death. That means that if you and I had to pay for that debt that we could not pay, then we had to be put to death. But what's so beautiful, look at this, like in verse 26, the servant, he begged the king. He begged him for forgiveness. And then you see in verse 27 how the king had compassion on him. So this is like when you and I, we come to God the Father through the finished work of Jesus Christ, trusting and believing in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I sinned against you. My my whole life has been against you, God, the way I've been living. God, forgive me. I receive your son, Jesus. Jesus, come. I I want you. I want you to be my Lord of my life. Give me your spirit to live a life that's pleasing to you. Forgive me of my sins. Just like that servant begged the king, we come and we beg the king of kings for the forgiveness of our sins. They know what he does. He has compassion on us. He has compassion on us, and he forgives us, just like this king did. When we come to him, Jesus Christ, he paid for our sin. Because just like this king, not only does he have compassion on that servant, but he paid the debt. Because, see, he cleared that that servant's debt, and that's what Jesus did, did for us. See, God didn't just have compassion on you for your debt that you couldn't pay. He paid it for you. He paid it for you by sending his son Jesus. I could see Jesus Christ right here if he was standing here talking to Him, He'd be like, listen, you know, you did something that hurt me. You hurt me so bad. Matter of fact, you don't think those nails in my hand hurt? You don't think it hurt me when you, what you did? I had to pay for it by having nails put in my feet, a spear put in my side, a crown of thorns on my head. People spit on me. I was shameful. I was put to shame for you. Because of what you did, the lies you told, the things you committed, I suffered pain for you. But this is what's beautiful. He paid this debt for us, and in Romans 5 and 10 says this. It said, for when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we have been saved by his life. Look at that. He said, not only did I suffer for you because of what you did, the offense you caused, not only did I experience great pain, but I forgave you. No matter what you did, I I still forgave you. No matter how much pain you caused me, how much shame you caused me, I still forgave you. And not only that, I welcome you back in my presence. You was reconciled back to me in spite of what you have done. You was reconciled back in my presence. Let me ask you a question. Do the people who hurt you feel comfortable now in your presence? Do the people that lied to you, betrayed you, neglected you, backbite you, those that you are angry, bitter, have resentment in your heart towards, do they feel welcome in your presence? Or are they afraid to come in your presence because they might get verbally or physically abusive? Or are they going to get that look, you know that? What you doing here? You know, is that what they're going to get? Is that what they're going to experience? Or are they going to experience the reconciliation, the love of God, that compassion, the forgiveness that overlooks that transgression just like yours been overlooked because of the blood of Jesus Christ? Do the people who hurt you feel welcome in your presence? Or they can cut the tension, they can cut the air, the tension in the air because it's so thick. See, forgiveness also, I'm going to tell you, it does not mean reconciliation. I'm going to let you know that, Okay? Forgiveness does not mean reconciliation, but reconciliation should be the goal. It should be the goal because, see, we will reconcile. We will reconcile back to a God that we hurt, that we offended. Some people you have to set boundaries with. I'm going to let you know that there are some people you have to set boundaries with. For example, if someone has a problem and they're, 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 they're in bondage, because I got to set boundaries with people who are in bondage. And if somebody is in bondage and you got a a thieving spirit, I don't think I'm going to leave you in my house, okay? If you got a problem with stealing, you know, and every time you come to my house, I don't think we're going to keep meeting up in my house, right? We're going to meet, you know what I mean, at Chili's or something, you know, we can go to Tamales. We said I have a Bible study, but I can't just keep leaving you in my house because every time I come something, every time you come, something missing, okay? But that person still should see the love of God in me. That person still should see, he should feel comfortable enough to come around me and even admit his fault. And I pray with him or pray with her, but not feel threatened or scared to come in my presence because that's not how my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ treated me when I hurt him. Yes, like I said, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation, but make sure that you're not setting boundaries because of bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody. Make sure that's not the reason that we're setting boundaries. I'm, I'm, I'm being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. I'm being wise about this situation. But see, this bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, that's not why I'm keeping you away. I'm keeping you away because of wisdom that God has given me, and I'm going to show you God's love. So I'm setting boundaries. But I'm not kicking you out of my life completely because, see, God told Paul and Paul, he said one plant and one water, but he give the increase. And every time that person who's still in bondage come around you, plant, water, let God give the increase. But make sure bitter and resentment is not keeping you away from planting and watering. But what I really want to look at, I really want to look at this verse 28. Because I I, I pray that we, if if, if this is us, if we see ourselves in this verse 28, that the living God will bring us to repentance today. Look how this servant who was forgiving for the very same offense, look how he treated his debtor completely opposite from how he was treated. It said, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarius. That's like, like I said, 10 bucks compared to his several millions. And he he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. Let me ask you something. Is this you? What I mean by this is, you know what I mean? You lied. You you done wrong. You know, you mistreated somebody. And then you ask God for forgiveness. He had compassion on you. He blessed you with his presence. And he treats you like you have never hurt him or done anything to him before. But when somebody lied to you, you, you lied to that bill collector when they call your phone, right? But, but let your child lie to you. You lied to your boss on why you called in and you didn't really go to work. You told him it was COVID, but it wasn't COVID. You just didn't want to go, you didn't feel like going in, right? You, you lied, but let, let, your, let your spouse lie to you. Let, let your coworker lie to you. Your spouse lied to you, you want to get a divorce. Your kid lied to you, you want to beat the snot out of them. And your coworker lied to you, you want to block them on Facebook. But you've lied. You lied, so you treat people completely different from how you were treated when you lied. This is what that servant did. That's why I say, is this you? Are you mad today at somebody for doing the exact same thing that you did to somebody else? Are you upset with someone today and you can look back over your life and say, man, I did that very same thing. I said that very same thing and here I am, making it hard on my ex, not letting them see the kids when I'm supposed to meet them every two weeks, you know. Here I am, you know what I mean, B- bitter, upset, mad at my co-worker mad at and my boss mad at my mom mad at and my daddy mad at my brother and I done did the very same thing. I'm upset at my spouse and I've, and I look back over my life, I did the very same thing. Instead, Instead of forgiving him, having compassion, you verbally, you're emotionally, you're physically abusive, and that's not a forgiving heart. This is what God wants us to see that that is not a forgiving heart. Unforgiveness, when you walk in unforgiveness, you want somebody else to pay a debt. You want somebody else to suffer and feel the very same pain that you felt. What if Jesus Christ was to come to you and say, hey, you know what? You did me wrong. You you want to see what these nails feel like? You want to know what these nails feel like in my feet, this spear in my side? You want to know what shame really means? What if Jesus Christ came to us and asked, what if you felt the pain that I felt? Think about that. Think about the pain we caused him when we did wrong and who we are not willing to forgive people who have done us wrong. And like that servant who threw, who, threw his, who threw that person into prison, we throw people in the prison of unforgiveness. And, and, and there we keep them in the prison of unforgiveness until they pay, until they apologize, until they do something to feel, and we feel like they done paid for that debt, or paid for that hurt, or paid for that pain. If this is you, then you are not operating with a forgiving heart. And Jesus wants you to know that forgiveness is going to be something that you need to get used to doing. Because he told us in the book of Luke 17 and 1, he said, it, this: it, it's impossible that offenses will not come. He said, listen, you're going to get offended, okay? You're going to get offended probably when you get up to leave from church, somebody bump into you, step on your toe. You're going to get offended when you go to the parking lot, no matter what relationship you jump in and out of, church you jump in and out of, what job you jump to and fro from. You're going to get offended in this life. He said, it's, it's impossible that you will not get offended. You're going, to, so you, you're going to get offended, so you need to prepare your heart, prepare your mind, and know that you are going to get offended. It should be, but for, forgiveness should be like second nature to us. We should wake up every morning and say, Lord, you know, I know offenses will come according to your word, and if one do come today, I already forgive them.'" I'm already forgiving my boss. I'm forgiving that coworker. I'm already forgiving my spouse. I'm forgiving my children, the person who cut me off on the road because road rage just got out of control these days. But I'm already forgiving them. They are already forgiven. Why? Because you told me offense was going to come, and I'm not going to allow unforgiveness, resentment, malice to dwell up in my heart in bitterness and hinder me from experiencing the fullness of you. Hindering me from allowing your light to radiate through me, shining to my children, to my spouse, and in this world, of dark, this dark world that I go into. I guarantee you that one, I guarantee you one thing, the very same thing that you're upset about right now, you have done the same thing or even worse to somebody else. So how dare we not forgive and have compassion like our father had compassion on us? Look what God called this servant who didn't forgive like he was forgiven. And verse 32, it said, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. If God was to touch your heart right now, if you was examine yourself, like 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Would he say, would he see a wicked servant, one who was not forgiving like you have been forgiven? Ask yourself that. that. Is that what he will see in your heart? Because that's what he's looking at. Is that the type of heart that he's looking at, a, a wicked servant heart? I mean, you can, you can say, you can, you can pray, you can tie, you can come to church all you want to, but what does your heart look like? What is the condition of your heart? Is it a wicked heart? You're not forgiving people like you have been forgiven? Ephesians chapter 4, 32 says, it said, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Listen to me. You cannot be kind and tenderhearted to someone you got bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness in your heart towards. You cannot show God's tender mercy and loving kindness towards somebody that you got a grudge towards. So then you know what that means? Then you're walking in disobedience. Then you're walking opposite of God's word. You're walking in a sinful life. If I'm holding on to unforgiveness and it has now led to bitterness and resentment, and I'm not kind and I'm not tender-hearted and I'm not forgiving somebody who done me wrong, like Christ forgave me when I done him wrong. Look at verse thirty-three. God said, "Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? Should you not also have had compassion on your ex?" on your children, on your husband, on your wife, on your coworker, on your siblings, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your aunt, should you not have had compassion on them like I have had on you? Your mom and your dad, especially your mom and dad, I wanna talk to you real quickly about this mom and dad. We have moms and dads, that I, and me and my wife, we counsel youth, and, and we have moms and uh, young men and women who are upset at their mom and dad and this don't matter how old you are but if you got a mom and dad and you holding resentment bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart towards them because of something they did when you were young something that they did and you got resentment and bitterness in your heart toward, you know what Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, 2 and 3 says it says "As children obey your parents for this is right honor your father and mother have high respect to them talk kindly to them. do not be slandering, and talking bad about them for this, is the first commandment with promise. Then he say that it may be well with you and that you may live long on this earth. You know why it may not be well with some people? Because you got unforgiveness and bitterness towards your mom and your daddy and you are dishonoring them with those lips. You're dishonoring them with your heart. You got bitterness, resentment, and envy in your heart because of an action that they have done because of a wrongdoing instead of forgiving them like you was forgiven for your wrongdoings. That's why it may not be well with you right now. That's why your marriage may not be well. Your health and finances may not be well. Why? Because of that deep issue in your heart. The unforgiveness, the bitterness, the resentment that is in your heart. Look at verse 34. Look what happens when people harbor uh, unforgiveness in their heart. In verse 34, it says, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him, the torturers, hmm, that's why you can't sleep at night. You know, you call it anxiety. You call it depression. Yeah, yeah. you call it a sleeping disorder. That's, that's what you call it. You, 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 you may call it high blood pressure or a panic attack, but no, the torturers are there. The tortures are there because you have opened the door for them, too, because you are walking in unforgiveness and bitterness. You have an unforgiving heart. That's why. That is why you are facing what you're facing. There was a research, and you can Google it. Just ask Siri. You got it. But 61% of cancer patients have forgiveness issues as well as those who have anxiety, depression, diabetes, high blood pressure, sleeping disorder, panic attack, and heart disease, stimulates from unforgiveness issues. At the the core of this fruit that you see, deep down the root is really unforgiveness issues, bitterness, resentment, malice in your heart, and now your health is being seen in your health today. You know, a lot of us can save a whole lot of money if you just go forgive. You can save a whole lot of them. You don't have to, you don't keep getting up in the middle of the night taking all them pills if you just forgive. You can cancel a lot of doctor appointments if you just forgive and have a forgiving heart, is what God wants us to know. If you want to experience something God's taught me, if that, if you want to experience a, a, a piece of hell on earth, just harbor bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness in your heart. You'll do it. Because a lot of healthy issues are the fruit of past hurts from harboring unforgiveness and bitterness in our hearts and the root of that the root of that is because we have been hurt yes you have been hurt but so did jesus christ jesus christ was hurt and some of us have been hurt in the past and that past hurt is still hurting us today because you have not dealt with it god's way some of us have a negative character today from our past hurts you have a negative character today that is hurting your marriage that is hurting your relationship with your children that is hurting your testimony why because past hurts still hurt you have insecure issues you're everywhere he where you at where you been how long you been there where you leave from there texting, make sure, let me, let me look on 360. Why you go over here? What you go over there for? Insecure issues. Why? Because past hurt is still hurting because somebody cheated on you in the past and you still got unforgiveness in your heart towards them and that past hurt is still hurting your relationship today. You got trust issues because of your past hurt is still hurting. You talk with sarcasm because past hurt is still hurt. You say, oh, that's just who I am. No, it ain't. Deep down there's bitterness. There's resentment. There's unforgiveness. That's why you have that sarcasm. That's why you have that anger, that bitterness, that grudge in you like that. This is why your personality is like that, because past hurt is still hurting. Dad abused you when you was young. Now you're abusing your children, abusing your wife verbally or physically. Why? Because past hurt is still hurting, and you never dealt with it. And then when a hurt person enter into a relationship, and they never heal from the last past hurt, you know what happens? Hurt people hurt people. And all you do now, you never heal from that hurt and you jump into another relationship and you wonder why you see that same person in that last relationship today because you never dealt with that bitterness, resentment, and unforgiveness that is in your heart that is now coming to the surface because past hurts still hurt. Look what God said in verse 35. In verse 35, it says, So your heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Look at that. God said, he didn't say, I didn't say from your lips. He said from your heart. Because, see, your heart is going to show why you treat them like this. Why you, every time their name come up, especially don't let somebody say something good about somebody that you got anger and bitterness in your heart towards. Well, let me tell you what they done to me. If you really want to know what they like. Because you're harboring unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart towards them, and soon as their name come up, all of a sudden there's a euphoric recall. All you got to do is hear their name and start thinking, and Satan starts uh, picturing those images of what they've done into your mind. And then your teeth start gritting up, you start breaking a sweat on them, and then here come the slanderous words. All because past hurt is still hurting, and you're still harboring unforgiveness and bitterness in your heart. And God say, listen, I won't you to address your heart. Because right now, your health is experiencing it. Your health is experiencing that unforgiveness in your heart. Right now, people are experiencing it in your character, and it's affecting your testimony because of that unforgiveness and bitterness that's still down in your heart. And before I go quickly, I want to show you three ways. Three ways, because I'm speaking to you from experience, I'm speaking to you from experience and what God had to use to help me have a forgiving heart that I can be able to experience the power of the living God in my life. But I call it the three C's. Three ways, three things that you can use, that you can apply to your life for any time that hurtful thought come up to help you overcome and be healed from past hurts. I like to give my points at the end. That way, when you leave from here, you know exactly what was said, Right? You, it, it's not, you know what I mean, if you give him in the middle, then you leave, like, what did he say? What did he No, 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 you're going to know that you know that you know that there's no excuse. When you walk out this door, this is what I'm supposed to apply to my life. If somebody bumped me on the aisle, if somebody bumped me outside, case something happened in the parking lot, I'm equipped and I'm ready. I'm ready, and I'm going to apply the three C's to my life because I got something in my heart that I want to be healed from. And God wants you to be healed from because he wants to show himself strong to you. John 14, 21 says, he who has my commandments and keep them is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. He said, we will come to him and we will manifest ourselves to him. I don't know about you. But if God wants to teach me how I can have a forgiving heart so he can manifest himself to me and I apply it to my life, I want that. I want him to manifest himself to me in my marriage, in my relationship with my children, on my job, in my everyday life. I want God to manifest. I love seeing the hand of God. So, we're going to look at the three C's that we can use, that we can apply to our life to be healed from unforgiveness. The first one is confess what hurts you. Confess that to God, confess what you are offended about, confess it to God. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who covers his sins will not prosper. That means if you just keep brushing up these hurts, you keep brushing that unforgiveness and bitterness under the rug, if you just want to cover it up, now you're trying to get busy by going to eat something and going to go shopping or going to go do a hobby, go out and work with the cow, ride the horse, work on the truck, you're just covering it up, right, you're not going to prosper. He said, you're not going to overcome it. You're not going to be healed from it. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Man, I love God's goodness and mercy. I'm going to confess to you, Father, I got some bitterness in my heart towards my mom or my dad or my ex, my in-law or this co-worker. I got some a bitterness in my heart and a grudge in my heart. I'm confessing that to you because you told me in 1 John 1.9, if I confess my sin, you're faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I don't know about you, but a lot of hearts need to be cleansed. Our hearts need to be cleansed daily from the offenses that we run into. Our hearts need to be cleansed so I confess it, so God can cleanse my heart from bitterness and resentment so it won't lead to unforgiveness and I don't operate with a forgiving heart. I don't want the torturers there. I don't want to be able to lie down in my sleep, be sweet, lie down in peace and not have to pop a pill just to go to sleep. But confess it. Number two, Confront it. You're gonna to have to confront. You're gonna to have to confront what hurts you. Confront what bothers you. Romans chapter 12, 18 says, if it is possible, now look at that. If it is possible, some people may have hurt you, they may have passed away, they may not be here, they may no longer live around here, you might can't get a hold of them on Facebook, social book, whatever. Okay, messenger. You don't have their number, you can't get a hold of them. So if it is possible, you might have to visit a grave site. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, as much, because we, we're called to be peacemakers, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Now, is that, is that, did that say some? It said all. So don't try to be like Peter and try to add, well, well do you say live peace with some? Because God's going to say, I didn't say that. I said all. That means every person that has hurt you, has offended you, every person that betrayed you, back, backstabbed you, that you're angry and upset about, he said, I want you to try to have peace with that individual. Live peacefully with all, he said, but there's a way to confront things. There's a way to confront it. Proverbs 15 and 1 says that a soft answer turns away strife or wrath, but grievous words or harsh words stirs up anger. When I go confront somebody about something, I don't take harsh words. Why? Because it's going to stir up anger. And if I do go to them, I'm going to them softly. I'm going to them with the meekness and gentleness that is in Christ. And if they come back to me and they have wrathful words, they have strifeful words, I'm going to respond how? Softly. Because a soft answer turns away wrath. So there's a way to go and there's a way you humble yourself and you go because you are trying to make, seek reconciliation like you were reconciled back to the living God who you hurt, who you also put on the cross, who you also offended. And I want to replicate him. I want to represent him on this earth. And whenever somebody offends me, I want people, God said, listen, God, I want people to see that you are more than a conqueror, not just on your lips, but in your actions. I want them to see that you are an overcomer and that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is who you can do it. The same spirit that raised my son from the grave, he said, dwells in you now. You have that resurrection power in you to go confront anything that hurts you. So you confront it. Then thirdly, number three, You cast what offends you or what hurts you to God in prayer. You pray for that person that Satan keeps bringing to your mind. Every time Satan brings them to your mind, you know what you do? Let that be an alarm to pray for them. Not vaguely, not just, Lord bless them. No, no, you pray sincerely for them. You pray for their health, you pray for their well being. Pray for their finances. You pray for their favor of their lives. You pray sincerely. Pray for their heart. Pray for the love of God to be shed abroad in their heart by the Holy Spirit. Pray for them to come to know the living God and love him with their heart, soul, mind, strength, and neighbors themselves. Pray for God to create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit in you towards them. But sincerely, cast that to God in prayer. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says this. It said, Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So that means that when somebody hurt me, I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to do evil for evil. No, no, no. I'm going to humble myself. I'm trusting you, Lord. Because you said vengeance belongs to you. I'm humbling myself, Great King. I'm not going to block them on Facebook. Because okay? why? Because you told me, Lord, you'll prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So if that person is my enemy, I'm not going to block them. I want them to see this table you're going to prepare for me. So, great God, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God, that he will exalt me in due time, and I'm going to cast this care upon you, for you care for me. I cast this thought to you, Lord. I cast that hurt to you. Every time Satan brings up that person hurt, let that be an alarm to pray for them. And and, and when Satan keeps trying to bring up your past, listen, you're not describing your past. Your past, Jesus paid for it. He paid for our faults. Don't walk in guilt, shame, and condemnation anymore. Don't allow the tortures to still be there for you and causing you to walk in a testimony that is opposite of Christ. But cast it to God in prayer. Everybody, stand with me, please. Stand with me, please, as we close. Stand with me. I want you to lift your hands up to God, and I want you to repeat it this after me, please. Say, God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for being a God I can cast my cares to. Give me strength to confess, to confront, and to cast my cares to you. All my hurts, all my offenses, and all my pain. So that I can forgive like you forgave. So I can love like you love. Lord, Lord, I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a hand.